episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart, keeping you healthy and pain-free. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and today I am joined by Paul Mitalski, Kyle Ridgway, and Matt Sremba, and they are all speaking this year at the Combined Sections Meeting in Indianapolis, which takes place from February 4th through the 7th. Uh, again, that's in Indianapolis, and that's for all uh, physical therapists, physical therapy assistants out there. So they are going to be speaking on Saturday, February 7th from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. in the Indiana Convention Center, Sagamore Ballroom 5. Don't worry, we will uh, uh, give you all this information again towards the end. And their topic is the integration of STEM, that's S-T-E-M, with physical therapy, the future of sports medicine. So what I'm gonna do first is, I'm just gonna kind of throw, throw it over to, to each of them and have them kind of introduce themselves, give a little bit of their background, and then we'll get started. So go ahead. So Paul, let's start with you. How you doing? Um, my name's Paul Matowski. I, uh, for most of my professional career, I was actually a consultant, an IT consultant for the financial world. I did. Uh, I was a founder of a company called Canadis Athletics, and I'm currently the president and CEO of Canadis Athletics. We formed the company in 2010, and we are hoping to bring a deeper understanding of science, technology, engineering, and math to the sports medicine world. And Matt, go ahead. Hi, um, my name is Matt Saremba. Uh, I'm a sports medicine physical therapist at the Children's Hospital in Colorado. I am an alumni at the University of Colorado, and I worked as a physical therapist for Canadis Athletics and now and uh, helping Paul build an education company. Great. And Kyle, go ahead. Kyle's been on the show before, but we'll have him introduce himself anyway. Go ahead. I am Kyle Ridgway. I'm a physical therapist who graduated um, from the University of Colorado as well. Um, I currently practice at the University of Colorado Hospital and actually do not treat any athletes anymore, but for the first three years of my career, um, practiced in a small private outpatient clinic that was targeted towards um, adolescent athletes, uh, weekend warriors, and kind of post-surgical rehabilitation and return to sport. Um, personally, I've been through sports rehab, um, suffering a multi-ligament knee injury, as well as uh, the need for a subsequent knee injury afterwards. Um, so have a little bit of both personal and professional experience with the sports medicine and rehabilitation and sports performance realm. Um, I met Paul through Matt and have uh, kind of collaborated with them and learned a lot from both of them as they kind of move forward with their vision for sports medicine and the management of the athletes via physical therapists. Great. And just as a side note, if you are going to CSM, I think Kyle's talking in every single um, session there is. No, I'm joking. I think he's seriously talking in like five sessions. So really, no matter which day you go, you can go and see him speak at one of them. Um, and I, I really don't even think I'm exaggerating on that. But okay, so let's start out with um, the integration of STEM with physical therapy. So Paul, I'm going to shoot to you first. What is STEM? Well, STEM in some fields is a common term that stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, I have a feeling in the education field, it's, it's used most common. Well, what we want to discuss is how physical therapists and sports medicine, but obviously we're going to focus specifically on physical therapists at CSM, can integrate better with professionals from engineering, other scientists, and even mathematicians. And we think that that would elevate, at least I think, that would elevate the physical therapy profession and expand the roles of the physical therapist. And, and, and any one of you can take this, but um, in your experience, can you give some examples as to how these collaborations were successful? And, and, you know, you want me to take that Kyle, Matt, or do you? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. We'll start with you and then, and then we'll pop We'll just go right across. Well, the first thing would be research in my opinion, because mm -hmm. if right now I have to be, I'll be delicate when I say this, but physical therapy, some of the research is done somewhat in a bubble. I mean, you do have Northwestern that just came out with a dual 
some type of dual degree um, in physical therapy and engineering. But I definitely would see the future of research for musculoskeletal injuries or orthopedics involving physical therapists if they accept this role and want to pursue this with engineers and mathematicians, um, probably not rigid scientists working in, in the research. So that would be the first one. The second one would be the biomechanical models that are used to make determinations. Um, if you're in a physical therapy department right now, you are using biomechanical models. I think the clinicians could and would be better served if engineers were collaborating with the researchers in the background. Um, I'll start there. How's that, Kyle? That's great. Kyle, go ahead. Yeah, I think, um, I think the collaboration piece, uh, the success of it, I think, is best illustrated by maybe some of the current downfalls uh, of both our research and clinical practice. Um, as it stands currently, most physical therapy research is done by physical therapists, which is not a fault, um, but we may be creating models or terms or making some assumptions with an incomplete understanding of some of the mathematical and engineering implications. Uh, and I think a, a great example that, that both Paul and Matt can speak to, as well as some of the other people that are on our panel, is what happens if you sit down a mathematician, an engineer, a phys practicing physical therapist, a physical therapy researcher, and then a physical therapist researcher who specializes in biomechanics. And I think the first thing that happens is everyone has to figure out what everyone else is saying. Um, and that's, that's an issue that has to be overcome in order for us to collaborate. But the second piece of that is as a physical therapist, even a physical therapist researcher, you are not an expert in engineering. In engineering, an engineer is. The flip side of that is an engineer, um, a mechanical engineer, is not an expert in human physiology or anatomy or even human movement. So I think it's very natural that these two sides, if you will, would collaborate to create fundamentally the best mathematical and engineering models of what's going on, as well as how to apply that and research that and apply and treat the human. Uh, and Paul can speak to how this is done in other scientific disciplines. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I think a really good illustration is, is taking some words that physical therapists use on a very routine basis and, and asking them what those words maybe mean. And I would, things like strength, power, stability, balance. I, I, I wrote a post about this a while back of, precision in language. What would happen if we pulled 100 physical therapists and asked them to define strength, power, agility, or stability, and balance? And I think we would get 100 similar but somewhat different answers. If we asked 100 physicists what those things mean, we would get one answer and probably a formula for every single one of those things because those are well-defined terms and equations in the mathematics and engineering world. And so I think the impetus is upon us to learn that and then also collaborate with these people for improved research and understanding. Yeah, makes perfect sense. And Matt, what about you? Um, I guess it makes me think of when, when I first met Paul, some, some of the things that I, that I were going through my mind was I, I always wanted to understand more about exercise. I didn't feel that uh, coming out of PT school, I had a real grasp of, of exercise and how to use it. And it is a huge part of my day. And I've asked a lot of different PTs, and it seems to be this is kind of a common thing, that, that we don't learn as much about exercise. The second piece is in sports medicine is that there's this performance aspect of if someone's coming from a rotator cuff tear, an ACL tear, you know, they, they want to get back to performance really is, is, is their goal. And so trying to understand both exercise and performance, you have to understand uh, mechanics that that is the underpinnings of 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 these disciplines and so so I think really that that's where it came to me is the application may be in how we how we look at exercise how we look at how we're going to send our patients through their rehab but we have to be able to understand the, the basics uh, that, that Kyle was alluding to 
Yeah, and and I think you know, looking at the the panel of you guys and and you guys that are are here now, so we're all PTs. Paul is not. So how did you get involved in the physical therapy world? Um, I injured my knee in um, the middle '90s and was very upset. You know, obviously with um, tearing my ACL, I went to physical therapists, and they told me if I would provide them movements that they could help evaluate me while I was doing those movements or give me things to do off the basketball court that would, that may help prevent the injury. So I took them seriously and produced a complete model of basketball, a mathematical model. So we had every movement. And so this is another example of where STEM and collaboration worked where I can, I can model the sport, but I can't, to the sports medicine side of it. And so a system built out of that and a methodology was built out of that for training both on and off the basketball court. And then it moved into other sports. It was never really a business until around 2008, I was approached by um, a performance training company and they asked me, you know, could we partner and take the basketball model and the training and use it um, in, a, in a similar model that the NFL uses in their off season for the combine training. And that's how I got into it. And of course my model evolved with no politics. This should be, <laughs> should make everybody smile, but it evolved completely separate from the bubble of the performance training world, whether it be fitness, wellness, all the way through sports medicine or biomedical engineering. And the roles I chose for the physical therapist, that, that became a key role for me. And it sort of defined the system and, and how the system worked. And it also produced better results. And that's why I was approached by um, other people to, they wanted to use and learn the system. Later on, I met a guy named John Meyer from USC and he, we talked and I moved to Los Angeles, California to try and build a company. And of course I was very new to this industry in this space. And I would train athletes out of, uh, Christopher Powers biomechanics lab, which is called the movement performance Institute near LAX in Los Angeles. And I implemented some of the system there as much as possible. And that's, I, I became intertwined with the sport, with the uh, physical therapy world and sports medicine world. And so at CSM, uh, during your presentation, how are you going to highlight how this collaboration works in the world of sports medicine? And sports performance. Is that for me? Uh, for 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 any of you, whoever wants take, to, I'll to take, that. take it. Go ahead. Kat. Um, so at CSM, we kind of have a we have a panel, um, and the panel is going to talk briefly about their experience and contribution to this potential collaboration in physical therapy in general. And I'm going to moderate the panel because um, obviously I'm going to be the least expert on this topic of anyone there. Um, so you're going to have Matt, who is a practicing clinician working with athletes day to day. Uh, you're going to have Chris Powers, who's you know primarily a, a biomechanics, physical therapy, clinical researcher. Um, you're going to have Paul, who's the developer of this kind of system and vision for physical therapists and managing the athlete. Uh, and then you're also going to have Dave Lagerstadt, who's another physical therapy researcher and academic. And then uh, an engineer named Naman, who's, uh, I mean, I guess we could technically, Paul, call him, is he a biomedical engineer? Is that what his research technically? He, he has a PhD from um, University of California, Berkeley, and he is a tenure track professor at Purdue in mechanical and biomedical engineering. And so each of those panel members is going to speak to their individual experiences and then either their research or what they do. And we're going to take questions and discuss as a panel how these collaborations work, how this communication would potentially work. Okay, so my next question is then, how would this, you know, I don't want to give away your talk or anything, but how does this 
so let's say, are we working, are you working off of the system that Paul developed in order to create the, this collaboration between all these different disciplines? Matt, do you want to answer that? You're on mute. Sorry. That's okay. um, I'm sorry. Can you repeat that again? So uh, the question was, is, you know, is this discussion and is this system, this STEM, uh, is this, does this revolve around the system that Paul developed um, during his knee injury as far as, you know, the collaboration between all the different uh, professions? Um, I, I think some pieces of it, it does. Um, other pieces, as I'm speaking from a clinician mm -hmm. and, and really looking at, you know what? What do uh, what do clinicians need to move forward and and to get better information? And so, I believe that the collaboration that this that this integration, the information coming from scientists um, that we can get from technology, from engineers, from mathematicians, will allow me as a clinician to make better decisions and and to do my job better. And so. Um, I, I think a lot of that's already built into Paul's, Paul's particular system, but I think in general, th this is where we need to go to move forward. And is this not happening in the, I, I am not, I, I do home health physical therapy, so I'm not in the sports performance realm as far as really high level ath athletics, you know, your college athletics, professional athletics. So is this lack of co collaboration happening in these more elite realms? And is that why this system and, and this sort of vision has developed? No, it, it developed, this was Paul, it developed because it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't happen really anywhere, to tell you the truth. Okay. Um, it, there are a lot of issues in sports medicine that have maybe stopped it or have been barriers for it, it, it happening. But as far as I know, and I've seen most of the major universities and pro teams, um, it doesn't occur. So I would love it to occur, right? I'm, but it doesn't. That would be the goal. I think the therapy world could embrace it and take a deeper role in sports medicine and take the lead in musculoskeletal injuries. And of course, that's the similar to the blog post that Kyle um, allowed me to write, so that topic. Right, and that, and Paul is talking about a blog post that was on uh, PT Think Tank, and it was, I think, in December, was it December 2012, that blog post, is that right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so, you know, let's, so let's talk about that, uh, Quickly, so if you haven't read the blog post, go to PT Think Tank and just find December 2012 and you'll see the post. But it definitely generated a lot of discussion, uh, at least comments on the, on the blog itself. I did not like search around Twitter or Facebook to find greater discussions. So I don't know if you guys uh, did that and you wanna speak to that at some point, but it definitely uh, created a lot of discussion and a lot of, I'll just say interesting discussion. Um, so what is it about this collaboration and this system of sports performance and training? What are the misconceptions that people have about this type of collaboration? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, so the title of that was Matt and, and Paul co-authored this post and it was titled A New Vision and Role for the Physical Therapist in Athlete Management. And it was kind of centered around Paul's vision um, of his system where the therapist takes a very lead role in owning musculoskeletal movement issues. Um, and so the components, as he kind of saw them, were that, you know, the therapists need to manage and oversee all therapy and training, uh, as well as related care extenders or even exercise extenders, and that therapists need to own musculoskeletal problems. Uh, and I think if we look at these two components, these are kind of directly in line with both the APT's vision for practice evolution and what many outpatient orthopedic and sports therapists are, are kind of advocating for. Um, and Paul kind of outlined some roles where the therapist uh, would need to 
provide final approval for all performance training. He would have veto power. He or she would have veto power over individual units in the training regimen as far as um, specific movements or exercises. Um, they would be able to adjust these exercises um, as well as add and replace them. Um, for example, if someone needed to be doing a certain movement or exercise as a part of a um, rehab or uh, injury risk reduction type of thing, um, but also that the therapist needed to defend his or her decisions to other professionals with, with rational kind of well-based explanations. Um, and that on the flip side of that, ensure that all the other team members from the athletic trainers to the exercise physiologists to the strength and conditioning specialists to the physicians were also defending their decisions related to training and, and sporting participation. Um, you know, I think a lot of the discussion stemmed around uh, the misconception that Paul was maybe trying to push out or replace athletic trainers, which is not the case. So I think that one issue can basically be summed up in that, you know, Paul's system is not trying to replace any one professional, but rather create a model where the athlete is better managed throughout the continuum of participation, injury, rehabilitation, and sports performance. Um, so that would be kind of my take on, on the post itself. Guys, do you, Matt or Paul, do you want to comment on the post at all? Um, there's a lot for me to say. This is Paul. Um, I, I think maybe it's we're, we're better served if I explain how it came to be. You know, when when I was developing what has now been labeled a system for business purposes, right? Um, you, there, I, I didn't consider the pol the politics. I, I really didn't care about the hurt feelings of athletic trainers or chiropractors or anything like this. It was, it was my sense, and I stand by it to this day, that physical therapists are trained to have an eye to watch people move and diagnose problems in movement. Now, whether they use the same terminology that an engineer would use, that would be where we would go into why I believe STEM is important for them to start collaborating with. But if you're in a weight room and you have a physical therapist there and you push that physical therapist into a room somewhere else and they only get to see the athletes after a catastrophic injury occurs, I fundamentally don't believe that that's how it should be done. So if you have a physical therapist on deck or walking around making rounds while the exercises are going on and you don't concern yourself with the politics, you'd be surprised how quickly people fall in line. Now, it's got to be a good therapist. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we, we can't talk about, you know, an incompetent person here. But the strength and conditioning staff, the athletic trainers, in my personal opinion, have, have loved to learn about either the mechanics. So let's say they see somebody performing an exercise and there's an asymmetry happening. It's my experience that the physical therapist usually was the go-to person to get the answers to those questions. And I didn't consider it a bad thing that they would be in the lead clinically. Um, that, that, that was it. You know, it, it was that simple. I don't know why athletic trainers got so upset with that. It was my, I, I never saw the athletic trainer diagnosing humans who were moving. So. Okay. That's where that's where that came from. And that's how the role developed. Now, there are other parts of the role we could talk about, you know, leadership and physical therapy um, compared to the medical community, how they interact with physicians. All of those things I had to work out on my own in order to have a functioning system. So, Okay. And Matt, can you tell us a little bit about your experience um, being that PT? within this system and and what did you like what did you dislike maybe what needed to be tweaked in order to you know function at at your highest ability yeah uh this is matt um so i i was able to work uh, as a physical therapist for uh for paul and Kinetis athletics uh in los angeles and I, we didn't have uh, on staff at the time athletic trainers and some of those things. So that, that part wasn't as much of an issue, but the, probably one of the bigger uh, uh, 
collaborations was between multiple physical therapists. So when, when the athlete uh, that I was working with had an issue, um, there was kind of multiple evaluations that were done. And of course, uh, as you can imagine, if you have four different orthopedic evaluations for the same person, you have kind of four different uh, opinions. And so then I was able to kind of take that information and, and figure out how, how does that impact the training regimen? How, how does that impact what's going on? And in some cases, things were added. In some th- cases, things were taken away and then maybe perhaps re- replaced later. But really that, that discussion between multiple physical therapists for me was, was very exciting and it was very helpful. And uh, it is interesting to see that you know, we can all be trained in, in a very similar thing and all see slightly different things and have a uh, slightly different take on things. And, and I think really what that ultimately serves is it, it's best for the, the client or the patient or, or whatever you'd like to call that person to have more eyes on the situation only, only ends up in, in better information. And has this system been put to the test with professional athletes or big school programs, anything like that? Or is this still sort of in the vision stage? Paul, um, go ahead. The, the system, um, you know, it's odd even for me to refer to it as a system. We, we did work with, it, we did work with athletes um, 1998 to about 2003, then there was a break. And then 2009 till 2012, um, we've worked with professional athletes in Chicago, Dallas, and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And it has been stress tested and it works. It's fine. You, you just have to have buy-in from people and the blog, you know, was so- somewhat surprising to me that there was so much, Negative. negativity. Yeah, I, I gotta, you know, I'm trying I would, to I would say negativity. What I would say is I would say pushback. Right. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, it's not like people were on there saying you're an idiot. You know, I think there was just a little pushback. And I think whenever something new is introduced, you have to assume pushback from established uh, protocols, you know, and that's with anything. But I'm sure that if this, uh, I now I feel bad calling it a system. Well, yeah, you can call it a system. You know, I'll give it. You can. That's. I need to call it that way. Um, okay. <laughs> you, know, you, you look at what Matt said, and I and I can give specific examples. In other words, I've been immersed in this for so long that <laughs> there are so many examples. So Matt says something about working with other therapists. I would pose this question to the sports medicine world. Okay. This include that would include anyone from a personal trainer who has a high school, high school education all the way through a PhD MD from whatever you choose the prestigious institution. If you have multiple people trying to diagnose a musculoskeletal injury, and in Matt's case, he literally would have Chris Powers giving him feedback, who's reputable, John Meyer giving him feedback, who's extremely reputable and has his, John probably has had his hands on more, more professional athletes than any other clinician, not any company, but if you just took a clinician, John has put his hands on as many athletes as anyone can imagine. Um, there was, there were other people in there like John's wife, Lisa, uh, an individual named Doug Hugendike. Now Matt would have to take that information. What other profession should take the information and the feedback to make, you know, at some point you have to make a final decision how you're going to, what you're going to do, adjust the workout for the athlete. What other profession was going to take that information and make that decision? I, I couldn't, you know, that, that is how the, the, this quote system evolved and the role of the therapist evolved. It wasn't a choice that I was like, oh, I want to promote physical therapy, right? It had nothing Why to do. Why not? Well. I'm just joking. <laughs> You're on a panel here with three other PTs. <laughs> so I think no, that's, that speaks to some of, the, some of the, the power of Paul's insights of being a non-physical therapist and yeah. a non-medical provider is, you know, anyone else who it seemed would fit in this role to help globally manage the athlete from injury to performance, he would have taken that person. Mm-hmm. And so with Paul's insight personally in his own experience with injury in a, in a, in a college athletic situation, as well as his observation and development of a way to better manage the 
entirety of an athlete's movement, performance, rehab, and injury, he came to this conclusion. And I feel like that's why his insights are so powerful is it's very easy for us as physical therapists for Matt and I to say, yeah, it needs to be the physical therapist because we are physical therapists. Um, so I think his insight is really keen and, and it's interesting the models that he's built and the role that he has envisioned for the physical therapist is very much what high level practicing physical therapists want to do. It involves a lot of collaboration a lot of communication, a lot of defending of decisions, uh, and a really, really a big responsibility. Um, and I think that's a, that's an interesting, an interesting thing. Um, if we really look at advocating for the profession as a whole. Sure. And I mean, I think that it's a huge compliment to the profession of physical therapy that, you know, someone outside of the profession think so highly of our profession as a whole that, hey, this person is the expert of musculoskeletal uh, issues, so they should be kind of at the, at the, the uh, maybe in, in conjunction with the physician, at the top of, this, uh, top of this tree and sort of the buck stops with the physical therapist, which Kyle said, that's a lot of responsibility. So as the physical therapist, I think you just have to be be prepared for that. And I think that kind of leads right into uh, an, a good question. And it's probably what you guys are going to be talking about at the panel. So um, I, any one of you can take this, but, you know, what is the, the topic of the speech and what is the, what is your goal for this talk? Go ahead, Matt, I'll start with you. Um, I think that the goal of the talk is really to propose a path for physical therapy and, and clinicians to, to move forward and, and, and how do we get there and what information and, and what do we need in order to get there. And so we're proposing that the, the integration of sciences, scientists, technology, engineering, and mathematics along physicians along with physical therapists is that is that path and so we're going to be trying to to take a look at each one of those components and really show um kind of why we think that that's the direction we should head right anyone else kyle um you know i think if, if we look at this as a whole it seems like a very big topic. You're talking about science, technology, engineering, and math, integrating that with clinical research and clinical training of physical therapists. And I think if we really break it down, you know, we're looking at a new vision for the role of the therapist in the sports medicine world, um, really identifying where some of the changes potentially need to happen in therapy education uh, and what kind of changes need to happen as far as approaches for collaboration. Uh, and this is collaboration at all levels, um, and what I mean by that is collaboration at the clinical level, um, collaboration at the educational level, and also collaboration at the research level. Um, and this this involves a lot of a lot of change. Um, and so, you know, people need to be willing to hear the message, but then also be willing to take on the difficult task of assessing where we are and what needs to change, and, and the politics involved with that. Um, and so really, I, I see this as an introduction of the sports therapist to, to STEM and why this is going to be so important moving forward if physical therapists truly want to kind of take on the role of being an expert in managing athletes at all stages uh, of their careers and development. And, and you're not just talking professional and high-level collegiate athletes. You're talking high school, even the child athlete. Is, I don't, does this include like the pediatric athlete? Even more so, because mm -hmm. even at that level, when when we execute this is Paul, but when we executed um, this model in in Texas, we found that even at that level, you know, you're, you'll you'll remove some of the other quote strength and conditioning assets or re human resources, and the therapist is definitely definitely the person you want there working with your nine year old daughter, um, or all the way through. And it's, um, I would say, teen years. And then when you move into the teen years, and now you move into a situation which is somewhat out of my expertise, 
but I, I was there um, where the physicians and therapists manage these kids who are going through puberty and stuff like that. It, it's better. It, it, it's, I don't know if you guys, we've, Kyle and Matt, we've never really discussed that, but that we actually have data on those experiences too. So. And Matt, what, what are, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, the integration of, of science, technology, engineering, math, I mean, you're seeing this with the use of uh, iPads. You're seeing this with the use of, um, you know, all kinds of stuff in the clinic that people are trying to get more information out of their clinical examination. And I, I think that's fantastic. And, 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 you know, those are great tools to, to give me information as a clinician as well as give my patient information on kind of what I'm talking about, whether that be feedback or, or any of those kind of things. Um, but then the flip side of it is, is that if, if we're going to collect information, we just got to make sure that we have to be able to interpret that. And, and what does that mean? And, and that is uh, a more challenging question. And, and so interpret interpretation of what we're seeing and, and what are we trying to where are we trying to go with that? And so that's where I think the collaboration piece of, of, of looking at what is the interpretation of movement? Well, there are some folks in the engineering world and the science world that they're excellent at that. And there's a lot that I can learn as a clinician that, that helps me gain more information about what I'm making sure that the information that I am collecting uh, is what I think it is. And I, you know, I, th I think all of that is is vitally important to to anyone who is an athlete at level. Um, I mean, especially if you look at the incidence of you know, if you just take one diagnosis, you know, ACL non-contact ACL injuries, uh, and you take a look at those rates in, in adolescent females, um, and you look at return to sport or re-injury rates after this, there's there's maybe an argument that this is most needed in the adolescent non-professional athlete. Um, you know, it's not to say that what is happening in professional and collegiate sports is the right model, but there's definitely more resources there. Um, the adolescent athlete is kind of, uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily want to say a victim, but is, you know, is kind of at the mercy of the system that they get plugged into, depending on what team they are, who their physician is, what therapist they end up getting referred to. Um, so I think this integration and collaboration can address that. Uh, you know, but, but the other piece uh, and maybe another goal of this, of this panel is that as we have pushed for an evidence science-based profession, you know, we, we really have to address some of, some of the guruism that lives not just within physical therapy, but within sports medicine, exercise, and training in general. And, you know, going back to the very, very basic fundamentals of physics and mechanics and mathematics, that's where we have to start our foundation. Um, we know there's exceptions to that, but moving forward with evidence-based, science-based practice fundamentally means we need to be rooted where possible at the most, um, what I'd say, concrete levels of ability to understand and model things, um, if, if that makes sense. And, and when you say sort of gurus, um, do you, are you, what exactly do you mean by that? So gurus within the PT world or fitness or training who perhaps I, people listen to with blind faith? I, I would, I would say all, all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, gurism or what I just call empiricism mm -hmm. came about because we didn't have the research or the understanding to do things that we can do now. Mm -hmm. So people had to take their clinical observations um, and, you know, some good insights were born from that, from people tracking what they saw, observing things, trying to change things and coming up with ways to treat people. But then when you talk about continuing education for physical therapists in general, or, you know, how things have evolved for training physical therapists after graduation, and this is really a separate issue that we could talk for days on, is gurus were born based on the perception that they were really good at what they did. So therefore what they say must be right. And mm -hmm. in physical therapy, we have this problem of making observations of things that may work and then making up stories on why they could work or seeing things and then making up the stories as to the why things are happening. 
And so we kind of have to flip this model of understanding where we go back to things that we really do know and then find the mechanisms of why things work in conjunction with finding out what works. Um, but the more that we integrate STEM with physical therapy education and research, I think this takes care of the guru problem because gurus get power by people believing what they say. And, you know, it's not, I'm not trying to knock on all the people who are dubbed mm -hmm. gurus, the, but that model of educating people has to change. And with a better understanding and integration of STEM, you can get people in the audience saying, hmm, this guy says that, that, wait, that's not the proper use of that term, or wait, that's, that's not really possibly possible mathematically or mechanically. Um, you know, as we touched upon earlier, as physical therapists, we have this tendency to kind of make up words or apply words that already have meanings and definitions and kind of assign them our own definitions. And this collaboration also takes care of that language barrier, that precision in language need. Um, Paul, would you agree with that? Yeah. In, in general, all disciplines are trying to fight gurus um, in a sense and they're also trying to fight the politics that come along with that. But if, if the more you include rigid thinking, the more you include science and other disciplines, you know, for example, it would be unheard of as far as I know, and, and I've dealt with the major universities in physical therapy, to have someone from the mathematics department criticize the therapy research. That's not unheard of in other, in say, even the, even the physicians, the physicians are way open to, um, and the professionals building the, the physicians' research are way open to cr criticism from other disciplines. You also you, you you chill speech, you chill debate, right? If if you, if you don't allow a rigid language, you end up with people who. And I know this personally from the physical therapy world. You have universities right now that when I'm in private meetings with people will say, well, that university uh, doesn't, doesn't really know what they're talking about. But no one would ever come up and, and publicly um, have those debates. And, and that is a cultural problem. Science will break that barrier down. I mean, the, the main part of science is just finding out what's wrong. If it's your professor, you study until you find out what's wrong with what they're saying. If you're doing research, you're trying to figure out what somebody did wrong. And it's, it's sort of a misunderstood situation. And I wish the therapy world would embrace it because they're sitting in a very powerful position. Because right now, the physicians, they can't squeeze in anything else into their, their degrees. And they pretty much don't want musculoskeletal injuries unless they're a surgeon. And they're sports medicine doctors. What do they do? They, they defer to the physical therapist. I see it all the time. I mean, you can ask physical therapists if they've treated physicians. Well, that, ex that proves that. The physical therapists are in a, in a unique position also because they're tied to major universities in a lot of cases. You know, if you're at USC or Delaware, where Chris and Dave, who are on the panel, are from, they have major institutions backing them that have really reputable engineering departments and science departments that could tap in and collaborate. But it's not really happening. And I don't know all the reasons why, but I have experienced some of them, and they, some seem to be politics, some seem to be maybe lack of courage to confront other people. and some seem to be there, people are happy right where they are. But if physical therapists would explore these other opportunities, their profession is starts at mechanics. And we know a lot about mechanics and they could be the experts in movement for real, not just make the claim. I guess I'll stop there before I <laughs> gotta watch what I say here, so. So uh, I guess my question is, if I'm the, I'm the PT, I'm at CSM, I'm sitting here, I'm listening to this panel, and, and what, oops, sorry, sorry. Um, 
that was a timer just to remind me that we have to wrap it up in about five or 10 minutes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I'm a PT. I'm sitting in the panel and I'm listening to this conversation. I am completely overwhelmed and I am not in a place that's has a relationship with uh, USC or with, you know, a big university that has research, a research arm to it. So what, what do I, how do I make this system applicable to my situation when I might be in a small town in Pennsylvania? Well, we're hoping no one's overwhelmed. I worked really hard on the speech <laughs> so, to um, take it small steps, but no, nothing changes overnight, not on the scale that we're talking about, but hopefully the clinicians and the students will demand and have higher and had higher expectations, I would say, for the researchers and the people at the top, maybe of the APTA and other organizations like that. Um, that would be a takeaway. But I don't know without some type of continuing education and some support from the system, the, and, and, and that case, and in that sense, I mean the physical therapy world, the APTA, the universities, if it would ever get down, if, if the information could get down to a clinician sitting in a small town, to tell you the truth, there, that would take time. I don't know if you guys want to talk about that, but. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, let's say at CSM, will you have, and, and I don't know, maybe this is something you guys can think about, but will you sort of have an actionable takeaway that everybody listening can then, instead of just, you know, planting a little seed and then saying, see you later, thanks for coming to CSM, is there something that you guys will have that therapists can take and have an actionable takeaway? Well, I, 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 I would like to answer this. Okay, yeah. this is Paul. Okay, so in the, in the, at CSM, there are constraints put upon the speakers, okay? In my case, I'm not a physical therapist. Now I've moved into a situation where this has become a, a business for me. Therefore, I can't actually speak of any of the details or intellectual property of the business. So we, were, we wanted to do that, but we would immediately get shut down, right? So you, you, you can't promote your company at all. And this is a very delicate thing um, for, for us because it took so long to even get the, the opportunity to speak. Uh, we, we thought that we would get involved in innovation projects. Matt can speak to that. We applied to other situations where we wanted to speak. And we were not really asked to speak. And that was surprising to us because of the background and what we're saying here and, and what our experiences were. We thought that especially innovation, if this isn't innovative, I, it's, I, I would, I'd like to understand that definition, but so I can't go into, and no one on our panel will go into any in depth, like this is a new training technique or some specific thing that the person gets back to their clinic and can do. And that is the, I can't even talk about the system in detail or the methodology. And I'm not mad at the APTA for that. I mean, it's an obvious reason why they don't mm -hmm. want people up there promoting their companies. Sure. So, so and, we're a little constrained there. Okay. And I, I think, go ahead, Kyle. You know, I think um, one of the things that you brought up, I think the, the big thing is to kind of introduce this concept and to plant the seed. That's, that's one of the big goals. But I think the, the actionable takeaway um, for the participant, the individual participant, whether they're a researcher in an academia, whether they're a clinician, a student, is, is that it, it, you really have to look, read, and learn beyond physical therapy-specific literature. And I think it doesn't matter what condition we're talking about, we're really starting to understand this a lot more. And I, I kind of always go back to, to pain because it's such a big focus these days, but that's probably the biggest thing we've learned in physical therapy in the past 10 to 20 years is if you want to understand pain, you got to listen to the psychologists. You've got to have the neurophysiologists on board. You've got to have even philosophers or linguistics collaborating on understanding this complex thing. And so if even the only thing that the participant sitting in the chair says is, huh, I really need to look into understanding 
basic science better or the philosophy of science or how science works. I really need to bone up on my physics understanding of terms um, or whether even engineering or even psychology, which this doesn't even touch. It's really just kind of one of those eye-opening moments to say, hmm, there is a lot more out there that we need to learn to understand things more completely and apply it to our patients. The flip side of that is it's time for us to collaborate in a more robust way as a profession. And I think even in the, for the clinicians sitting there, it may open the door for them to say, huh, you know what? I really do need to improve my collaboration with this segment of my referral sources or the athletic trainer at the high school or the sports medicine physician and really talk to them about the need for a better system. Um, for me, I would say if I was sitting in the talking to people sitting in there, that's what I would really want them to take away is this kind of light bulb of, wow, there's a lot more here than just what we talk about and care about. There's a lot of foundational stuff that we don't need to be experts in, but can really apply to what we do day to day. Uh, and hopefully that opens people's minds to reading and the research and the topics beyond what you learn in physical therapy school and beyond the physical therapy specific literature. Yeah, so you know what what I'm thinking is might be nice, and I'm, I'm sure you guys have this talk. I'll I don't know if it's set in stone or whatever, but coming from someone who, let's say, I'm going to be in your audience listening, what might be a nice takeaway for me would be, you know, check out this specific website, this specific book, um, you know, have something where you know when you get back, you're going to make a conscious decision to to speak to you know, person X, Y, and Z, whether that be the athletic trainer, whether it be a strength and conditioning coach in your town, because even in a small town, you know, I'm from a small town in Pennsylvania, even in a small town in Pennsylvania, there are people who are definitely experts in things that I am not. So maybe that could be one of these actionable takeaways for your audience members to say, you know, make a commitment to talk to one person outside of your field or look at this website, look at this book. You know, these are just things off the top of my head. You don't have to do it, but I'm just saying it might be nice to kind of get people to understand the concept of STEM a, a little bit more. Because kind of as we discussed, so before we even started talking, I had to ask what STEM was because the first thing I thought was stem cell research. So, you know, in the physical therapy world, it may not be something that is in the front of everyone's mind. So, you know, and, and maybe it's just go to your local high school and talk to the science teacher. I don't know. Or the physics teacher. You know, these are people, these are resources that, that one can use. You know, I don't know. Matt, what do you this is Matt. I just wanted to, I mean, I agree with what you said and I agree with what Kyle said. I mean, I think probably the simplest thing uh, from, from talking with Paul is just when I listen to the words that I say every day in the clinic, it, it's amazing how many times, uh, you know, strength, stability, power that, that Kyle already brought up. I mean, those words come up literally all day and, and, and I work on those things all day, every day. And I know those things are important. And so I, I think just from a starting standpoint is that when, when you, when you start to think that way and you, and you consider those things, then you notice your coworkers saying those words and you're like, huh, I wonder like, what, what do they mean by that? Like, and I think if nothing else, you can start a discussion between uh, you and your coworker or whoever. And be like, isn't that interesting that you say strength and I say strength, or you say stability and I say stability. And, and, we use them completely different. Um, and, and how are we supposed to talk about that uh, when we're maybe sharing our patient? Like, how do we talk about that to, to, to work on our intervention for that patient? And then also from the patient perspective, when we use those words differently, I mean, it's very confusing that, that they can work with different PTs and they come away with like, oh, I, you know, this is completely different. So I, I think that conceptually, it does matter. And I think it does change your practice. And, and I agree with you that there are people probably in any community that you could reach out to. And there are, you know, there's, there's free physics lectures on, you know, all kinds of free uh, uh, education uh, websites and lectures from MIT to whoever else. And those are great resources. And, and, you know, 
they, you can take a, a, a lecture on, you know, some of these topics and, and apply that to practice. So we're going to kind of start wrapping things up here. But what I want to get from each of you is, in your opinion, what is your, what is your hope for this talk at CSM? What do you hope people take away from it? Um, so uh, let's start with Paul. My hope is that the physical therapists in the audience learn a little bit about like a 50,000 foot view about what STEM is. Now, I, now Karen, it's funny because you just said earlier that you would want to learn more about it. You may be the first physical therapist I've ever talked with that wanted to actually dig in and, and go study these topics. The, the purpose, though, is to just shed light on the experiences we had and the role the therapists could take on, a new role they could take on if they would take these steps and the steps will be laid out there and collaborate and move more towards rigid science and engineering. Hey, Kyle? Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, my, my goal would just to, I think I spoke to this earlier, is, is, is have people really just kind of widen their lens of what is applicable to physical therapy practice, number one. But then number two, what needs to happen at the individual level both for knowledge as well as the more systemic level for education and research to really make athlete management much, much better. Uh, I mean, I mean the data we're, we're best suited to treat the athlete, but even our data is not that impressive. Uh, and Matt and I talk about this a lot that, you know, we may be the best, but we're still not doing that good. And it doesn't take a lot of delving into that return to sport literature to really say, wow, we're, we need to do better. Uh, you know, I think the second thing is that, to get people excited about the potential for science, technology, engineering, math, even if you're just a clinician. Uh, you know, I know for me, delving into these concepts really changed how I looked at exercise, how I looked at the way that I phrase things to other professionals and to patients. It, it, it made things more complicated maybe at first as you understand them, but conceptually, I think gave me some rigidity and some, and some ways of looking at things that really simplified my assessment of both movement and exercise prescription and not in a shortcut way, but in a way where I was just looking at foundational principles a little bit closer. And so I think we can get people excited about those topics. That's, that's a big success and really a discussion. I want people to come with their dissents and their viewpoints and their kind of insights into what the next step is for the field of physical therapy, specifically within sports. Okay. And Matt? Yeah, I guess my goal, I'm speaking from a clinician perspective and, and what I'm going to be speaking about is, is some of the things that I, I'm challenged with on a day-to-day -day basis and some of the things that, that go well on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think what's exciting to me is kind of in, going to what Kyle said of I want to continue to get better. I want to continue learning. I want to continue to understand why this individual treatment course went the way that it did. Um, and so, you know, the next time I, I can kind of pick up on that or I can learn from it to, to work with the next person. And I think really that this, this collaboration or this topic, I think is very exciting because it gives us, information it gives us uh resources that that we can get better and we can make better decisions and I, and I do think as Kyle said the return to sport rates and the the reentry rates they're, they're not where we need them to be and and I think that there is really good options moving forward great so you know it sounds to me like if you're a physical therapist out there listening and you're going to be attending CSM that this is a talk that you want to go to with an open mind. You want to go to with uh, under the, the guise of really taking in a new system and a new uh, thought process of collaboration. And, and really, it's all for the betterment of not only your patients, but yourself and your practice and the profession as a whole. 
So I think if you're a PT and, and you are interested in, in doing all of that and moving the profession forward and, and taking on more responsibility, I think this is going to be, which I hope is most PTs, I don't know, I would hope it is, um, this is definitely going to be the talk for you to attend. So one more time, it's called the Integration of STEM with Physical Therapy, the Future of Sports Medicine. And it is Saturday morning, February 7th, uh, from 8 to 10 in the Sagamore Ballroom Number 5 in the Indiana Convention Center. Um, if you are going to CSM and you have not downloaded the CSM 2015 uh, app do it and you'll you'll you can just go right there and you can get all the information and you can also plan out your whole entire time you're there from social engagements to educational sessions um so i just want to uh thank all of you guys for coming on today and giving up your time and giving us all a little preview of what you guys are going to be talking about at csm so have i missed anything no, I don't think so. Okay. Thanks for having us on. Um, you know, we'll probably, we'll definitely link to this, this podcast and probably just have our kind of uh, talk outline and stuff on PT Think Tank as well at some point. So great, great. Well, thank you all for, for joining and everybody. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.